Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you already know the 50-year mission is definitive oral history of Star Trek. And Secrets of the Force will tell you everything you want to know about the history of Star Wars. But what you probably don't know is Ed Gross and I have a new book coming out this July. They shouldn't have killed this dog. The complete uncensored ass-kicking oral history of John Wick, Gun Fu, and the new age of action. Coming from St. Martin's in hardcover, digital, and audio. You can order it today. Welcome back to the 430 Movie. We got our expert programmers here to curate fantasy theme weeks of classic films. And from 1998, film directed by Steven Soderbergh called Out of Sight. Yes! Soderbergh directs it with such a sort of confident, self-assured style. Lex Luthor in Superman. What is it about Gene Hackman that... Uh... His performance, it's off the charts, but still in reality. Fiendishly gifted. 1981, Sam Raimi Opus, The Evil Dead. Oh, yes. yes. Right? Fine choice. Sam Raimi invented entirely new ways to get shots that should not have been possible with the amount of money that he did not have. Charade. Yeah. Oh, so Directed good. by I... Stanley Donnan. It's a textbook screenplay. It's just effortless, and it, there's not a wrong note in this movie. Can't say enough great things about it. We'll be back next Friday with an all-new episode of the 430 Movie, wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us now for the 430 Movie. The 430 Movie Podcast is available weekly wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. Download it today. Hello and welcome to Best Movies Never Made, a podcast where we talk about interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. Most of the time, the movies you're trying to make don't get made. Like, four of them may happen, one of them may happen, none of them may yeah. happen, and I'll be attached to three more things by end of summer. Turn the script into something resembling like Unforgiven with Conan. Yeah. Suddenly the rights expired and the whole thing just like went away oh. overnight. New episodes will be available every other Monday. We won't see you at the movies. Best Movies Never Made, as featured in Entertainment Weekly, is available wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Docterman. And we are the Inglorious Tracksperts. A traveler comes upon the statue of an emperor inscribed with the words, My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look upon my works and despair. Only there's nothing left beside it except empty desert. It is good to be back. I really wish they'd let us play music up here. Why? Because we'd already be on our feet, ready for action. We have considered your request for passage through our territory, and we will not stop you. But do not expect us to save you. Kalon ship pursuing. Exploration always carries risk. I say we risk it. Everything forbidden is sweet. This is a good day. It is a good day. You do know where you're going, right? Nope. Oh, boy. Let's go make some history. I didn't prepare anything. Just speak from your heart. We're about to enter unexplored space. I know you're all just as excited as I am, so... Let's give this everything we got, and... May the Force be with you. How was that? Perfect. But I'm a little confused, because today, today of all days... We are in glorious Orville spurts. Yeah. I don't know. We got to go back. We got to go back to the uh, drawing board on that one. Uh, but we're so happy to have a good friend of the show, uh, a Trexpert in his own right, um, uh, 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 a very talented, very uh, great. He's, you, you know him as the showrunner from such shows as Family Guy. He wrote the classic Futurama episode where no fan has gone before. He was a consulting producer on Star Trek Enterprise. And of course, he's an executive producer on the Orville. And I'm talking about none other than David A. Goodman initial Goodman. 
you're so honored to have me. I, We're uh, so honored. <laughs> you know, that's a pet peeve of mine. You ever look on Facebook? Everybody says, I was so honored to be invited. You know, it's like everybody's so honored about everything. You know, it's one thing to get like the president give you a medal of honor. You know, why is everyone so honored all the time? I, I, I don't know. You but but you guys are honored to have me. I know that. So. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, when, I, when I do a and I'm not honored to be invited. I'm yeah, like, but that's I'm happy. You. That's I'm you, happy you asked. You're not honored to be anywhere, so it's okay. I'm, right. I'm honored to be on Inglorious Trekkers. <laughs> like the, the Tonys are an honor, the Emmys are an honor. Uh. But you know, I just so much. I mean, but all the time, everybody's like, you know, so I was honored to take out the garbage. What this a morning. what a pet peeve! It's an it, honor. It's an honor just to be asked. It really yeah. grinds my uh, gears. Well, apparently I'm the only one that this disturbs. So <laughs> clearly, uh, clearly but I got it off clearly. my chest. But but David, you you would have you would have loved this. We um we moderated uh QA. We weren't honored, but we were invited <laughs> by the American Cinematheque to moderate a QA um for the 40th anniversary of Star Trek II. We had wonderful guests, Walter Kane, you may remember him, he played Chekhov. Did you do it at the Arrow Theater? Was that what that was? We did it at the yeah. Arrow Theater. It was I found uh, out about it too late because you guys didn't like invite me. So I didn't I didn't go. But I didn't realize that uh, we were supposed to. <laughs> I oh, we would have been honored know. if you, you would have joined been us. Honored, yeah. You invite people who think you think might be interested. Anyway, so you moderated a conversation. Well, I mean, with what can we do? The 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 the, the, the Inglorious <laughs> Trexpert's uh Instagram feed and the Twitter feed and the, the I Facebook. Somehow I somehow missed it. Anyway, so you you moderated the discussion. <laughs> so anyway, the point of this story is not to talk about how we had Walter and Eddie Egan, who were wonderful as always, but we heard a story about Star Trek II that we never heard before. And oh, it was really? a great story. Walter was talking about during the production of the film, him and his wife went to dinner at the home of Harlan Allison and uh, brought with him Nick Meyer, and Nick at the time was dating Bill Shatner's daughter. I don't know which one. I assume it was Liz. Oh, wow. Could have been Melanie. But wow. uh, so anyway, but OK, but that's not the thing. But so there was this dinner between Harlan and Nick Meyer that took place contemporaneous wow. with the making of Star Trek II. And I have decided someone has to do a one act play. My night at Harlan's <laughs> at Alice in Wonderland. My night in Alice in Wonderland. And uh, because I can only imagine what that must have been like. Right. Two of the greatest egos in the history of mankind <laughs> together. I, I, I just, I mean, and I, and I say that with love because of course I love Nick. I love Harlan. Right. And, uh, but, oh, can you imagine what that was like? I, Clashing I, at the speed of light. I, I really can't, but you know, it's interesting that one of, one of my favorite reviews of Wrath of Khan and the fact that I think that I have a favorite says, gives me, uh, my bona fides of being a Trek Trek guy is David Gerald and Harlan, David Gerald's review in Starlog. And he went and saw Rafa Khan with Harlan Ellison. Do you remember this? I do remember it. It was in that 1982 issue of Starlog. Yeah. Where they reviewed was, all the movies. It's a great, here and, and that idea of Harlan Ellison going to see Star Trek two to me was like, what that, that could have gone bad so many different ways <laughs> well but you remember harlan ellison's review in starlog of star trek the motion picture he hated it hated it no that's a, that's a great review too like that's a great review too about talking about Sh uh, shatner's toupee not being on straight and you know the all the it was so it was so nasty mean spirit and then nasty yeah yeah, yeah but also yeah. i enjoyed it as well so yeah <laughs> Yeah, and then of course David Gerald famously reviewed Battlestar Galactic, and I remember him always saying the problem with that show was that it was about characters that were running away from a fight <laughs> instead of running to a fight. And uh, I think he kind of was right in a sense. Yeah, that, you know, yeah. At the, certainly at the time that you know they were always fleeing silent tyranny. That's you know, not, yeah, you know, it was interesting. I had a really great interaction with Koenig uh, shortly after we we. Uh, did the Futurama episode, and um, I ran into him at at um, must have been one of the conventions. And I had in my I had in my bag this a tape of the Futurama episode, which hadn't aired yet. And I I saw him in a diner, and I just go up to him and I remind him who I am. And we had this great conversation, which I thought was really interesting because he was talking about how you know here he is at this convention, and he's being paid to be there. This is now, I don't know, 
30 years after the show had been on the air, had been canceled, and he still ha- get, makes money off it. And he thinks about all his friends who were actors during the period when he was an, a, a working actor whose careers ended and had to find some other way to make money. And that Star Trek was his gift to him that he could, he was still making money off it 20, 30 years later, now yeah. 40, 50 years later. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, kind of amazing. But one uh, of the things I love about Walter is that since Leonard passed, he's really the only one of the original cast that remembers anything about the show or cares about the show. Uh He always was sort of like the repository of like the guy who remembered what happened and had real stories. He wasn't just repeating the stories he's told a million times. He actually is interested in Star Trek history or Star Trek archaeology, as we call it. And so it was really funny because we'd sent a car to pick him up. Apparently we sent it too early. Um, So he arrived at the theater and ended up watching most of the movie. Hmm. And it was so funny during the Q&A, he kept stopping and like, that's a really good movie. I can't believe that movie is 40 years old. It's so good. And, and we asked him at some point, we'll right. talk about this on a future show. And he said, yeah, you know, people invite me to talk and do it, but they never show, I, like, I haven't watched this movie in like 30 years. Wow. Right? I never seen it. And, and like, he said, and he was genuinely like really excited and into yeah. the movie. And it was so great for that us. Was- to give back a little of the joy that we experienced yeah. watching Star Trek to someone who was in Star Trek. Yeah, no, that's it. But, 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 you know, it's funny on the other side of that, when we did the Futurama episode, and this is, again, I don't know, 20 years ago, um, we, so we, we did, we, we sent the script to the cast, Shatner and Nimoy had agreed to do it, and everybody else had agreed except for um, Doohan. And, um, and so we get this call that, that Shatner wants to give us notes uh, that he's not happy with the script. And we have this call with Shatner and he just, he's just really, you know, it's this call with me, David Cohen, Matt Groening, who's, who's even at that time, a legend. And Shatner is like, well, if this was something that was good or original, I might not, you know, but he's just, but it's not, you know, he's really shitting on the whole thing. And (laughs) so we get his notes and then the, 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 I we add the scene in the script. Well, I, my 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 relationship with Leonard is is important. So if you could put something in there about my relationship with Leonard. So there's a scene in in the Futurama episode where Shatner and Nimoy are saying goodbye to each other, and it's a joke scene. But that's the scene about their relationship. But anyway, so then we hear Walter Koenig has notes. So he wants to get on the phone with us. Matt Groening doesn't join that call. It's just me and David Cohen. <laughs> And because, uh, you know, Graining wasn't really a big Star Trek fan. He'd heard of it, whatever, but he wasn't. So it's like, he, I don't need to talk to these guys. So Kanan gets on the phone and there's a line in the episode I was very proud of, which was Bender, the robot, says to the alien who's, who's holding everybody hostage, making them go to a Star Trek convention. Bender says, if you hate Star Trek, you have to stay. Can you leave? And... And Koenig's character, Koenig, I had written this line for Koenig saying, good question, like, because he hates Star Trek. And Koenig on the phone says, how did you know I hated Star Trek? And I'm like, well, I've read some interviews. <laughs> like, I've, I was really surprised by that line. How did you know I hated Star Trek? And I'm like, well, you've been pretty open about it, Walter. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think anyone was listening. <laughs> there we go. I didn't know you did a Koenig impression, Darren. Wow. Well, and a, a few that's, weeks. That's a, <laughs> he got a lot of that quiver of his. In fact, if Chatner hadn't done the show, you could have had him do Kirk. But um, <laughs> you know the uh, the the thing about um, uh, that's so interesting, I guess, about um, this whole thing is recently there was a thing on um, Twitter where people were asking about why Dewan wasn't in it, which of yeah. course in certain circles is kind of a famous story. It's a <laughs> reference that nobody gets because there are only a few right. people who are privy to it, which is the famous Nui. So no can way. you just <laughs> tell us about the birth of Welshie? I no, I mean, it was, I, I, I did a, I did a, 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 a GIF from Star Trek six to answer that question because he says in Star Trek six, he says, no way. And so I, um, so I, I made my own, this is one of my first gifs I made, but, um, but um, I mean, we reached out. I, I don't know. I don't know for a fact 
that it was because Shatner was doing it that that Dewan said no. But that was sort of the sense we had because his rep said when presented, the reps came back and said that the quote from Dewan was no way. Like he was like, <laughs> no way. And I don't know that he understood that animation wouldn't be done in a room with all the writers. Like it would just be him recording <laughs> right. his stuff by himself, but he just didn't want anything to do with it. And, um, well, his loss, his yeah. loss. So we, we really, so, so, so pardon me. Anybody um, interesting? No, that's it's, my landline. I don't get any good. Jimmy doing from beyond the gray, <laughs> uh, but, uh, no way. <laughs> no way. Uh, but so that, so it was, I, I'm pretty sure it was, I'm pretty sure it was a writer. It might have been David Cohen. It might have been. Oh no! You know, I think it was a writer named Aaron Ehas who came up with Welshy in the writers' room. What, mm-hmm. Why don't we just have somebody named Welshy? <laughs> and and Aaron would go on to. Um, he did. He did Avatar: The Last Airbender series. Like that's his mm-hmm. show. Uh, very talented writer. But I'm I'm pretty sure. I think it was him uh, who said. What about just we'll just say they have Welshy and he just said that and then and then it was all the writers pitching on Welshy and then what that the the Welshy has one line in the episode which is oh fuck which is, today. which is which is um in Welsh and he's saying I'm very right. drunk right now in Welsh. <laughs> so he could have been Scotty's brother yeah um, but you know it's it's funny because. Um, uh, you would have thought that the challenge would have been putting D in it, obviously, because he had passed right. away by the time you did this. But it ended up being doing it was the biggest. Well, we, had, we had D in there. He's in there. We, he has yeah. no lines. It's yeah. a very, yeah. it's a, sort of poignant. Like he's yeah. in there in the background. He's there's one shot. He's in the foreground. We just never. Which is a great solve. You know, yeah. very respectful. Yeah, you guys were very respectful to the original Star Trek and yes. to the characters because it comes from a place of love. A it deep was. abiding love. Deep abiding love. No, I'm question sure they'd be honored. So, um, joy. and and okay, but we're here to talk today. You've been involved for the last three years now with a a wonderful homage, a wonderful love letter to Star Trek. I think it's more like five years, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah well, three <laughs> seasons, five years, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, uh, you know. We thought it was worth the new show premiering on, on June 3rd on Hulu. It's new home. I think it's June 2nd. Uh, June 2nd. June 2nd. June 2nd. Well, I'm going to watch it on June 3rd. I'll show you guys. <laughs> uh, June 2nd. June 2nd on Hulu. Um, it's And it, and it's going through a bit of a, bre- a rebranding. Can you tell us the whole idea of adding New Horizons? And it does seem as though, you know, the show began as um, sort of uh, Fox wanted to capitalize on Seth's uh, um, the love that people had for him as a, uh, a provocateur, as a comedian, and that the show has seemed to evolve into, you know, less of a comedy and more straight up Star Trek adventures. Well, you know, I mean, it's interesting. I think, I mean, if you starting at the beginning, uh, you're right that there was a way in which not only was Fox selling that way, that, that Seth was leaning into the comedy like Seth and, and the right, well, like we did, sort of we would take the scripts after they were written after they were rewritten and then we would we would gather a few comedy writers to do punch-ups on them which we don't do anymore or we stopped doing pretty quickly into the first season um because basically what happened was i think that 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 was a uh uh seth sort of getting his sea legs so to speak uh as a drama writer that he he knows comedy he's comfortable with it there isn't anybody who Frankly, I mean, I've worked with him for 20 years. There isn't anybody I've ever met who understands what makes people laugh better than he does. And he was leaning into what what he knew. And he realized pretty quickly that he didn't need to. One, when he he's very talented. Two, he had surrounded himself with um, uh, writers who knew how to write drama. And... uh, we all work together in a way that allowed us to sort of say, you know what, we really don't need to lean into the humor as much anymore. There's still plenty of character comedy in the show, but it became pretty quickly um, a a straight sci-fi drama. I mean, it really, the episode about a girl in season one is pretty dramatic Um, and, uh, and edgy. And, and there were a few episodes like that in season one, 
um, season two really leaned in. I really was not. We had really lost all of the really hard joke writing that we'd done in season one was gone. And mm-hmm. having said that, there's still a um, uh, a casualness to the characters that 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 ends up giving you comedy. What I, the, the example I always sort of talk about in season two was our season ender that I wrote, The Road Less Travel, which was this sort of alternate history episode. Um, history had been changed at the end of the previous episode by a duplicate of Kelly being brought forward in time and then being sent back when she changed history. And the history became this sort of dark version of, of the galaxy. And I compare it to yesterday's Enterprise, one of my favorite Star Trek episodes. Um, in that episode, the uh, Cleon outpost from Narendra 3 is is uh, re- rescued or attempted rescued by the Enterprise-C, and that leads to peace with the Klingons. And because the Enterprise-C isn't there, war with the Klingons starts. And that's what changes history. And our uh, show, uh, history has changed because Ed didn't get late. Um <laughs> And so that to me is like, that's the, that's the difference that, that we're in, we're, we're in a smaller space with the characters in a realer space that still leads to uh, a galactic import. Um, And so I think that the style of the show is still light. I think a little lighter than Star Trek, uh, the next generation. I think that those characters on next generation and original series and, are more heroic characters than our, than our characters, our characters, they're, they're heroic, but they're also flawed. And right. uh, so that, that's, that's really where the, the show uh, lives. And now as we're on Hulu, um, Seth really wanted to up, up the game. He wanted that feeling of like, all right, let's, let's fix the things that, you know, let, let's, let's make the, the bridge look better. Let's, let's do stories on a little bit of a broader canvas. We've, we've, we've um, shown how much, um, how far the show can go. Let's not limit ourselves. So uh, again, being on Fox, you're actually, you have a time limit, you know, um, you've got to be, those episodes have to be 51 minutes on Hulu. Those things are a little more relaxed. So you will have different episodes that are different lengths and it's going to, be determined by the story that we're telling. And, right. uh, the, and then there's really a feeling of this season of, of Orville that the, these are real mini movies and um, it's pretty exciting. I mean, I've said it a couple of times, it's seasons of barn burner. I mean, it's, it's real, real, um, real m- mini movies each week, but, uh, but still with our characters and still, um, upping the game a little bit. Yeah, I think it's interesting in the way that sort of, you know, uh, Next Generation was sort of finding its space legs, and a lot of people agree that, you know, Battle uh, Battle Best of Both Worlds was the sort of game changer for uh-huh. Star Trek, that, you know, you kind of had that with like, the identity two-parter. Isaac! You may enter. Why have you brought Ty here? He was attempting to send a message to Earth. Did he succeed? There is no evidence of an outgoing signal in the logs. Then all is well. I will return him to the shuttle bay. You will not. He is to be terminated. That does not seem to be a necessary course of action. Are you experiencing sympathy? That is not possible for a Kalon. Isaac, help me, please! I will take responsibility for him. I will ensure he does not attempt further non-compliance. That is insufficient. Isaac! Primary, there are other options. You will now terminate the human. If you do not comply, you will be deactivated. Where that really seemed to be where the show wanted to live, which was, you know, less of a comedy and more classic sci-fi, space adventure, action. Um, But, you know, at his heart, like a, a, a beloved, you know, member of the crew is sort of the catalyst for all this happening. Yeah. And that, you know, that episode really was a game changer that, that, um, uh, you know, we really, um, 
that that is that that were there was a uh, a comparison in the writers' room to Best of Both Worlds with that episode that mm. that we really were pushing our characters right to the edge, our premise right to the edge, and then also doing uh, you know an effects battle that I mean is is unlike anything. Um, I don't think anybody's ever seen on television. And then that's the benchmark. So whereas Identity was really the biggest episode of the series up to that point, now in season three, that would be considered sort of an average episode. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So So I'm going to ask you, going back to the beginning, it's like you talked about, you know, putting this team together. And obviously there were a lot of people who had experience in sci-fi like Brannon and later on, Joe Manowski. But you kind of uh, um, are a child of two worlds because you were so successful in the comedy space for so long. But at the same time, you've also written on a lot of dramas, including Star Trek. So how is that for you um, sort of navigating those two worlds on the show? Because it was a hybrid of, you know, very unique in that it was a hybrid of both. Well, you know, the show is a drama. Um, but like, the best drama and comedy all that matters is the characters you you lead from so even when i'm working on a comedy the best the best stories that you've seen on a on a comedy are about your main characters and mm-hmm. so that's really where the 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 work is that's really where um uh your effort has to be so that that's you know, so that um, I think that probably for me, I I wanted to be a, a sci-fi writer from the beginning of my career, and um, even the, and I took this diversion, <laughs> this twenty-year diversion <laughs> into comedy because I could do it, and it was my way in, and and I enjoyed it. I, I'm not in any way like putting it down. I'm very lucky, uh, but so that. Um, but but still, probably the thing that that I think about is like you're you're always starting from what are what's a story that's going to make use of our characters in a, in a great way? Like what's what what's going to test our characters? What's going to what's a story that's going to be a conflict between one or more of our main characters with another or more of our main characters? And really, so whatever those great sci-fi concepts and ideas are, it's still going to have a basis in a story that matters to our main characters. Yeah, you know, the show has so many great guest stars and and cameos over the three seasons. Did you ever want to cast uh, Padma Lakshmi to have a reunion (laughs) with her after your... (laughs) You know, it's funny, Mark. You know, you bring me on here... (laughs) <laughs> to bring up the most embarrassing moment of my career. Thank you. No, but thank you, but, but like, thank you my you friend. You know what? Everybody, no. <laughs> we all have we all have our our our, our embarrassing moments. Our oh, we sure the key do. is if if it ends your career, and you've gone on to much greater success since then. So it's okay to joke. It's about good. It's that. okay to remind people that I wrote one of one of the worst episodes of Star Trek. I, uh, <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, I wrote Precious Cargo, which was at some point rated, I think, among all the Star Trek episodes, like fourth worst uh, of all that. I think it was. Remember that list? What was that list? When was that list published? You remember there was a magazine or it was online, but it was like every, they did, they did a ranking of every I don't know, Star people Trek do these things, but mostly they're clueless. Uh, you know, no, the but they were, they were right. Cargo is terrible. Uh, it really right is awful. Me. And Padma as lovely. As she is, is not very good in it. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, but no, maybe, maybe we'll bring her back. She's not in season three. That's, I guess that's a spoiler alert. She There's no Pat Malachi in season three. Oh, uh, well, I don't know. I'm still going to watch it, though. So <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> and we, we, yeah, we've got some real surprises. I'm, I'm for, fortunately no spoilers, but, but we've done it. We've, we've got some great, uh, great, great guest stars. A couple of them in, in the trailer. Obviously, um, Ted Danson's back as an admiral yeah. and Victor right. Garber, who are, great uh just so um game like uh uh ted danson said it was the first time he's actually ever done any space thing yeah. uh and he's great in this role like it's uh it's fun well you know figurative Kel- kelsey 
could do next gen. You got to have Ted Danson <laughs> to do uh, yeah. to do this. Yeah. Um, and I mean, so many great guest stars in the past. I mean, the, I mean, obviously getting uh, Charles, uh, Charlie, Charlie Theron right. for uh, um, you know that two episode was great. I mean, she was terrific. Yeah, she was, and she was also very, very game uh, too. Although there was, there's a great uh, blooper of her because she had a lot of, lot of uh, techno lines, and it, she was she she kept messing up this one line, and the, the blooper is her screaming, "Ah, I hate space." <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, were there uh, ever conflicts between you and Seth in the sense that you you know he obviously has made no uh, bones about the fact that he's a super next gen fan, right? That's that's his Star Trek, right? Your Star Trek is the original series, so it's the old the old wound, the old debate. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, you know when we started on when I started on Family Guy, um. Part of my, uh, the, the you know bit in the room, Seth would do, Seth would do a uh, a line from the somewhere in the original series, and I had to name the episode. Um, this was sort of a constant bit we did in the room, and then on the set of the Orville, he would bring up on his phone uh, music cues from the original <laughs> from the original series, and I had to name the episode. And uh, I, people were people were like shocked and maybe uh, creeped out that how yeah. good I was. I, I really always could always name the music cue. It's always that, you know. that power can be frightening. To see. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to have those cues right here. Dude. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. I can do it. Let's go. Name that trick. <laughs> I can do the. I can name that track in four notes. Oh my god! Um, no, there really isn't a there really isn't a, isn't a conflict between the two of us. On it, so there is no conflict. No, there is not. We're we're you know both deep dive Star Trek guys. So as it should be. <laughs> and uh, you can see that uh, obviously uh, Doug Drexler and Mike Akuda were on yeah. board this season. So I happened. don't think Mike. I don't think Mike was. Um, but Doug was. Mike is on. Uh, isn't Mike on? Oh um, yeah, Picard? he did something else. Yeah, I think so. My, I think but, Mike's on Picard. Yeah, right. Um, that's right. But um, yeah, no, Doug was around, and it was great to have him a part of it. And uh, obviously, such a great guy. And uh, uh, you know, we've had a bunch of uh, Trek um, alumni behind the cam- camera in season one. Yeah. We had Robbie McNeil and Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. Frakes directed the Charlize episode among other things and mm-hmm. I kept making him say red alert. <laughs> not not shields up. <laughs> no. Red alert. And I oh. <laughs> and uh, he didn't mind. He enjoyed it. Um and then uh we have um you know last season we, we had Tim Russ, we had uh we had uh Billingsley and Picardo in an episode together which was fun. Right. Um our two two doctors in an episode, and they were great. I don't know if you saw that one, but they were, and just a blast. I did, but it was on with. like five years ago, so I don't. It remember. was a long time ago. <laughs> it was, it was a long time ago. But they were, they were great. Um, you know, is there it, is there one thing that you're most excited about that has changed in uh, in the new uh, version of the series? Oh, that's interesting. You know, it's it's very much the show. I mean, it's still we're still doing those stories about um commenting on on things there are there there is, there is a there are a couple there are definitely a couple of things this season that um were my idea that I was very excited that Seth responded to that are that is it that is in there and so there's a, there's a couple of things I, I'm not even going to talk even in a vague way about them but but there's there's stuff in here. There's stuff in here that's new. That's like new stories that are really going to be like um, uh, really uh, surprising in in the format that we've done. And then there are payoffs to things we've set up uh, that we didn't know we were setting up. Like we've we've we're we're taking our characters to new places uh, that are that that I think the fans are really going to be. Uh, any any fan of the show is going to say is going to feel like 
we hear you, we see you, mm-hmm. this, this is for you, but not anything that would keep a new, a new audience member from uh, enjoying the show as well. That, that to me is like the most important thing about Orville is that it's not serialized in a way that keeps a new audience away. You could start watching Orville New Horizons without ever having seen an episode of the show and you can jump right in. And right. that that to me is like a really uh that that in some ways is a, is a more important homage to original Star Trek than anything. Because yeah. we all started watching in the middle. That's right. I mean, we we all I mean unless you're an original fan from when it first aired, you were watching in syndication reruns and your first episode could be somewhere in season 2. Like, you know, and that's the thing that pulled you in. And that to me is a really important piece of what we're doing on this show is there are obviously some serialized elements, but this is like you can turn it on and you can enjoy it and without ever having watched it before or (laughs) ever watching it again. Like it's a very... uh, 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 that to me is a is a great homage to a kind of television that I think we're sort of losing a, a bit uh, with the emphasis on uh, serialized storytelling in the streaming. Industry. How how will the episodes be released? Are they going to do one once a, a week? Time? Once okay, a week. once a week. Yep. So and uh, there's, a le- there's eleven. So that takes us through the summer and uh, uh, eleven. That's an interesting number. I've it never heard that 11. before. Yeah, no, I mean, it, you know, 8, 10, 13, even 6, but I've never heard of 11. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot because you're a friend to show. I wouldn't ask just anybody this question, but now okay. it's uh, now this is going to be a rough one for you. So we know you're a fan of the original Star Trek. Now, you worked on Star Trek Enterprise and right. you worked on this. You know, it's the dream of all of us who love the original Star Trek to one day, you know, recapture that by doing it ourselves. It's one of the reasons we're all in this business, right. you know, because of the original Star Trek. What do you felt more like being on the original Star Trek? Writing for Star Trek Enterprise or writing for the Orville? Um, that's a really interesting question. I, you know, I think... Don't wait for the translation. Answer the question. <laughs> I... Uh, um, no, I don't know that I ever thought about it that way. I mean, that's the, that's why it's a tough question to answer. Uh, tough question to answer is because I don't know that I ever thought about it uh, in quite that way. I feel like I know so much about the original Star Trek and how it was done, and and all the writers were freelance. You had to go in and pitch your ideas at the beginning of the season and try to sell something, and that wasn't the experience on either show, I was part of a group of writers who was helping craft a whole season uh, from the beginning. So like, there's a way in which um, I, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know that I, I connected to that at all. I do think there was something very primal that first day when I showed up at Paramount and um, I called Brandon's office to make sure there was a pass for me to get on the lot. And the person at the other, other end of the phone uh, says, um, "Welcome to Star Trek." That was that was that was primal. That was definitely like, mm. and that man was man. Terry Metalis, and where and is that he man gone? was Terry Metalis, who is now uh, the showrunner of Picard. Um, but that that to me is um, that that moment probably more than any other where I got a little bit of of chills of like. Wow, I'm getting I'm getting to do this now. And then that first day, Brandon taking me on a tour of the sets and he's talking to somebody. And it's he says, Oh, David, this is Herman Zimmerman. And I'm like, well, Herman Zimmerman and <laughs> Susquehanna Hat Company. No, it's Herman Zimmerman, <laughs> you know, the production designer. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, and he he kind of looked at me like I was nuts, you know. But I was like, you know, this is these are people I'm a fan of. I was a fan of Brandon's. I mean, you know, so there was all sorts of moments in that first year that were kind of so primal as a Star Trek fan to get to now be part of Star Trek. Uh, that's probably more of what you're talking about. To be to be sure, the only the only uh, definitive feeling of working on a Star Trek show is if your executive producer takes your script that you just worked two weeks on and does a page one rewrite. 
so in both cases, I, so in both cases, I felt like I was on Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Well, yeah, you know, you fact. mentioned work. Sorry, go ahead. No good. You mentioned working with John Frakes. I mean, obviously, you know, I've worked with him too, and he's just such a delight. I mean, the energy that he brings to set, um, and you know, there's no pretentiousness with him, which you find, you know, particularly, you know, a lot of episodic directors, they got a chip on their shoulder because ultimately they do their director's cut, but what, you know, heirs may not have anything to do with the director's cut. You know, they feel like sometimes like they're traffic cops, you know, John just wants to do, you know, bring, he brings his A game every time. He's so good with the cast, so much energy, and it really just makes it fun because, you know, obviously shooting these things can be so grueling. And so, you know, so many late nights and, you know, also it's tough because I, I imagine for the actors, because top of the call sheet is also their uh, executive producer slash showrunner. Well, I think, I think so. I mean, yeah, Frank's was just such a, so like, you know, like even I, sometimes I would be like, could you lower your voice? I, you know, was <laughs> like, he's, he's so big and so much full of energy, but then there's for fans of, of it, you know, it's like, he's he's running the thing you know he's kind of like uh the 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 it's weird seeing him on a bridge you know it's very but um you know and i i think that uh the thing about seth as a as the showrunner and the star of the show is he was friends with frakes before before frakes did the show and i think he create tries to create a a sense of collaboration with all these people because all of the, all of the directors that he works with and all the, um, are, are people he respects. So that it's tough. It's definitely tough for a director, a new director to come into that situation. But I, I always felt like Seth made a big effort to collaborate and not, not act like the boss, you know, it was more like, let's, let's do the best we can, which is how absolutely how he was in the writer's room as well. So. Well, I love the fact that, you know, these kids who love Star Trek, they get to go and do little skits and, you know, do uh, go to Comic-Con and do the masquerade and, you know, dress up in their fan films. I mean, Seth got to uh, dress up in his fan film, except millions of people the world over get to watch it. And in the you know, in the best sense of the word, you know, because yeah. it really is a love letter to everything that we love about Star Trek. Optimistic, positive allegory, um, you know, a, a family two of characters i mean i think so i i think you know and but it's not slavish not uh you know it, it's its own thing it's going to create i mean i that that to me is why it's not a fan film is that it, it's not slavish to any kind of canon it creates its own and it says you know it says um that we're we're creating a a, a universe that connects to our own but is also something we'd like to aspire to and it's that it's it's about acceptance it's about aspiration it's about um science and knowledge and learning like there are all those things that are really uh, probably things that influenced me from star trek but then also and but also really reflect uh, in, um priorities of of a our writers and Seth, especially about like the kind of the kind of messages you want to you want to send. What uh, what has happened uh, with the loss of Norm Macdonald? I was just going to ask that. That was my question. I was about to ask that, and then and then and then you asked and I before I could in. ask it. And I sweep, sweep in, in and I take it away from. It's like you swept I, in. I, I, I'm fairly certain all of Norm's lines were recorded before he died. Mm. So for season three, Yafet is there and. Uh, and for season four, you're going to do it. Uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, I, you know, we're waiting to see if there's going to be a season. No, four obviously, so maybe obviously. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it depends. You know, I, I imagine, you know, how Hulu does with it. Obviously, it's the, it's an expensive show. The yeah. environment is changing for this kind of storytelling dramatically yes. in the business. And, yeah. uh, and Disney doesn't own it. So, uh, well, no, Disney doesn't. Oh yeah. It's Fox. Yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah, yeah. That's right. No, yeah. Disney owns it. And if it does well on Hulu, I, they could absolutely order a fourth season. Um, you know, it would be up to, uh, I think Seth would, would want to do a fourth season if they ordered it, but there's also, sure. we end every season in a way that makes it, that feels complete. You know, that feels like it's an ending, but also we want to make sure that there's plenty more to do. Um, you know, like it, it, we don't 
we don't close ourselves off to doing more, certainly. I mean, you ready? Get me Union Central. Go, go, go! 15 seconds! The Orville season finale, all new Thursday on Fox. Yeah, so it doesn't end with uh, with uh, Ed saying to uh, Gordon, uh, Mr. Malloy, fire! And then dun 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 dun. So you, no, you have a no cliffhanger, no cliffhanger yeah. ending. It's okay, definitely a. Uh, but uh, but you know we got some we got some great stories this season. I think that I think the fans are going to, and hopefully we got some new ones. I mean, I think that's the thing too. We're on Hulu. We're in a new space. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it's retitled in a way of sort of saying like, look, this is, if you haven't seen this before, come take a look. You, you won't be, you won't this be. Yeah, that was very, Orville. That was very smart. That was, yeah, <laughs> this is not you your know. parents Orville. Yes. Cause it's, it's been, been so, been long, so long. There's a whole new generation. that has been born. <laughs> it's been so long. But, uh, yeah. But no, I think that's smart. The whole rebrand, you know, slash repilot in a sense so that it can attract new, new, new viewers who maybe didn't watch it on Fox. Um, right. But and all the all the old all the older episodes are on are still there, as yeah. well. So you you know if you if you watch one and you want to start from the beginning, that that's fine too. So you know one of the other things I love about Orville is the fact that um, it's shot in town. You know, on the historic yeah. what was the Fox lot. Yeah. Um, you know, so you you know part of the reason you're able to get all these great guest casts is it's local. They roll out of bed, they drive down the Pico Boulevard, <laughs> they do a day on the show. Yeah. And so you have, you know, just the level of production design, the level of um of 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 actors you get on the show, craftsmanship, you know, it's there's a reason people shoot in LA. And uh, I think right. that the show really benefits it from it as opposed to other shows that, you know, maybe don't shoot in town. Yeah, no, well, I mean, I, it certainly made my life easier. Um, but uh <laughs> uh but um, you know, it, it, it's it's more it's more expensive to shoot in LA. That's one of the reasons. Even with the tax credit, yeah. Even you know, it's still it's still um, it's still cheaper shooting Canada or Atlanta or uh, wherever the other places. Um, so uh, we were we were really lucky. Uh, you you saw the set. You it's like a it was it's great. Two floors of you know it's a giant stage with two floors. You know the the set is contiguous, like it's. Uh, um, I uh, hadn't seen anything like that since Deep Space Nine, which was that two level set where you had the working elevator. You could literally film right. up on the second level, and I mean, it was really, it, it was a really impressive uh, uh, set. Yeah, it was very cool. It was cool going to work every day, being on a spaceship. That was definitely yeah. a, a fun. Isn't that fun? I know. I mean, so I had fun. the same experience when we were shooting. Uh, you know, Pandora. Uh, and it's, Are you doing a third season of Pandora? We're hopefully going to be announcing something soon. You know, obviously all, right. all that stuff at the CW with them being sold yeah. and canceling all their shows. All right, but right. We have uh, we're we're hopefully close to announcing something. So we'll we'll, we'll see. But um, fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. But it's there's something really special about walking around in a spaceship for a yep. living when no, you're not absolutely. in NASA. So, um, hey, I, I'm just going to take a, a little uh, detour here. Uh, Darren, congratulations on on uh, the Star Trek, the motion picture director's cut. Uh, Thank you so much. It, it was gorgeous. Uh, Isn't it I'm, great? Uh, I'm very happy. I'm very proud. I'm proud for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, honored. you want to say honored. But uh, I, yeah, but no, I'm I'm honored. I'm honored by you honoring me. Uh, <laughs> I'm very proud. Uh, to be but, your son. Uh, no, right. that was it was great. I've been waiting. You know, I didn't realize it's been it's been how many years since that? Almost season? as many years as the last it's season the, of Orville. <laughs> no, twenty years, right? Twenty well, years. The, like I can realize since I the got, DVD. Twenty-one years. Twenty-one years. Twenty-one yeah. years. I can't. And it was. I believe and it was it. twenty-one years since the uh, movie uh, premiered. Wow. Before the DVD, so wow. it's very bookendish. Very, very, very cool. A very. Uh, great to see it on you know because i'd uh i'd had the the digital version which allowed you to go to the director's cut but even on my right. phone it looked terrible and yeah. now now it looks awesome well i'm i'm very happy about it and I, i'm very happy to see that uh, teaser poster up on your wall there where's oh, that oh, yeah 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 that's that's, uh, that's right uh, there. Oh, the yeah there you go 
one that was in the back of all the comic books. Back of all the comics. I, that that drawing. It's is beautiful. That Berkeley? Is that Berkeley? That's John Berkey. Yeah. Berkey. It's beautiful. Um, John Burke. <laughs> Ivan Burke. Ivan Burkoff. <laughs> Ivan Burkoff. Um, um, uh, but uh, no, that I remember that drawing is just being so excited yeah. by that. that Absolutely. Enterprise. Absolutely. And, and hopefully some of that magic people can re-experience now on Paramount Plus. Yeah. It's, and it's, coming it's, to Fathom as well. They're in the theaters. Yeah, um, yeah they're going to put uh, 20, in the 22nd, 23rd, and 25th of May. I'm going to go see it again. I love <laughs> that will. movie. And I love it more than ever. In the new director's yeah, edition. no, it was fun. It, I, I, I'm always uh, slightly disappointed in it, uh, but that's that was my experience. So, like, I have I have that experience again of when I was a <laughs> senior in high school of being slightly disappointed by it. Like every time I watch it, I'm slightly disappointed. Like I think about it as a filmmaker. Like they they stuck themselves on that bridge for for two hours. It's like it's crazy, you know, isn't it, that they did a bottle show for a forty three million dollar movie? You know, and it's like. The, the the exciting parts of that movie are the, is that first half hour, and you're on Vulcan and you see San Francisco and it's like and I remember being in the theater just being like oh wow holy shit and then you're on the bridge for two hours you know space is a very cold and lonely place <laughs> <laughs> like I but, love Star Trek the motion picture but I, I totally agree with that I, yeah I mean not wrong like, you know it, it it was interesting it was an interesting choice but I guess it spoke to the the chaotic nature of that production. Well, you you witness a birth, a, a new evolution in uh, in life. So, you know, <laughs> but, you take, know. Take, take one with the other. Yeah. I guess we should have given him tickets for Star Trek 2. That's more up his alley, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Yeah, sorry about uh, that. <laughs> I, I, any kind of invite to any of these things I would have taken, guys. I, oh, now you, you would have been us. honored. <laughs> and you would have been honored. Well, you know, I would, like, have, I would have been honored. <laughs> you know, that's the problem, you know, with these ex-presidents. They're so used to the royal treatment. <laughs> and as soon as they're back in civilian life, it's like, what yes. happened? Why what did happened? I get all what, this? Why? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure anything we do in the future, you are invited to, David. They, that is uh, a huge, they, uh, huge. Uh, uh, we did not invite anybody, but we will invite you. <laughs> you sound pissed off, which is no, good. No, no. Never. Just, uh, I love you. David. That's his normal state. I would never be upset with you. Um <laughs> Uh, did you have a character that you really like to write for the most? I mean, I know like writing for next gen, you know, certain people say, oh, I really like writing for Worf. Or I really like like uh -huh. writing for Data. You know, nobody said I like writing for Troy, apparently. But, you know, would you like was there somebody you really love to write for? You know, I, I enjoyed I, I got in this season. I got to write um, uh, some Isaac stuff that I really, really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and there was some uh some isaac claire stuff um i wrote in season two i wrote to me i probably my favorite scene that i wrote was i wrote uh kelly breaking up with cassius her boyfriend i wrote that scene i i really enjoyed that i was like okay i gotta make this real i want that, from you experience know, um you know um you know, there are just moments, there are moments all the way through the series where I really enjoyed writing stuff for, for Ed and for Kelly and, and those, those interactions, but all the characters I've really loved. I've also, I mean, I've actually, you know, I've written, not, I'm going to, I'm going to promote my comic, the Orville oh, comic. Oh, nice. look at uh, you. But, and probably the thing that I really am most proud of that people have said about who've read the comic is that I capture uh, Gordon because I write mm -hmm. jokes for Gordon in there that um, people have said that that really feels like the, the rhythm of the show, the rhythm of Ed and Are Gordon's the comics out yet? Are the comics out? Oh, my God. Yeah, they've been out for uh, years. Well, you didn't tell us. You should have told us. <laughs> I no, had they're no available idea. now. Well, no, oh, I, I, did, I, did, I, did a, I did one. This is season 1.5. So between uh -huh. seasons one and two, these comics came out. Mm -hmm. And then over the last couple of years, I've done... Um, another eight comics that are collected uh, in these small collections. Uh, so I've done 12 comics and then there'll be a library edition coming out later this year, which I'm going to Pulp fiction. All. I'm going to go get my Marvel comics. Yeah, no, they're fun. So oh, I can send you some. Uh, Mark. Oh, we'll have to have breakfast <laughs> or lunch. I didn't bring in Marvel comics. Yeah, they're fun. They're fun. I really sort of set my mind to writing. Um, I was always very disappointed by Star Trek comics. 
Mostly, they never, yeah. They never felt like episodes. Yeah. Except yours, Mark. I and- agree with that. I tried to capture the spirit of the show. And when I first got asked to do them, I looked at all these comics. I'm like, why are people trying to write these movies? I Like, I right. just want to write an episode. It right. should feel like an episode. And I think to me, the key that I, that I figured out, because I'd never written comics before, was uh, I don't have thought balloons. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is spoken. So it's, it's dialogue and action. And as a result, you can't, and I don't really use captions to jump ahead in time too much or so that it, it does sort of have a field of something that's sort of unfolding in real time. And that, that, uh, again, the, the few people I've known who've read the comics have said they, they feel like episodes. So I, I've uh, I did the same oh. thing. I felt the same way. I didn't want to use thought balloons and it's tough because Star Trek and he's a very talky, yeah. you know, show. And so comics actually go against that where you want yeah. action, you want these big panels and action. So it was tough to write Star Trek comics, but very rewarding. And I did the same thing. No uh, word balloons and things right. like that, because you didn't have that in the show. Right. Right. Yeah. So, well, so you had captain's logs. Yeah, yeah but that's captain's different than, than a thought balloon because right. they're actually saying it and you yeah. do yeah. that in a little box. Right. Yeah, Captain's Um, So, yeah, so I've been enjoying... Possible has happened. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, no, the comics, uh, I think uh, fans of the show, if you like reading comics, would would enjoy the comics. Yeah, absolutely. You should check, people should check that out. I know I'm going to. You know who I missed from the first season who I really loved? I I really loved Halston Sage. I miss her her character. But, I mean, I still think the second season is, is, is... you know, definitely was right. even better than the first season, but I, I definitely missed her character. Yeah, well, we came or we brought her back in the season finale. I mean, I I think uh, uh, Jessica plays Tala is is. I mean, we do some really fun stuff with her in season three as well, cool. um, and uh, she's really come into her own. I really love her, um, and uh, that I love what we're doing with that character too. And I, I also wrote. Uh, a couple of comic stories that are around her character as well. So I don't know why when people leave a show, they're so desperate to bring them back. It's like when Denise Crosby left of her own volition, yet they they jumped, they tripped all over themselves to keep bringing her back. <laughs> Same thing with Wesley. It's like, you know what? If they're going to leave the show, you're gone. Forget <laughs> it. You're dead to me. It's like, you're gone. You know? And it's like, I, it was great to have her back for yesterday's Enterprise. Very clever. But that whole Sela ca- ca- character was ridiculous. And they kept bringing her back. They ruined Leonard Nimoy's return by putting in all that Sela nonsense. I love the Sela nonsense. Oh, stop. When she no, explains how she... I love the Sela. No, I love her not. selling like... Because you're a comedy mom, writer. Her mom... <laughs> <laughs> her mom was Tasha Yar. I love that. And that oh. connection to, I love that. You're wrong. I, I don't think so. You and I disagree about redemption. I think redemption's a great two parter. I feel like you're right. We do disagree. Because uh, I think I love redemption part two and you hate it. So I, I really do. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I but love, this show is about celebrating the love. love right. love, so we only uh, talk about what we love. Yeah, exactly. Or like a lot. Right. Kind of like. I, okay. I love I love Nimoy's first uh, line in that uh, two parter. Indeed, you have found him. Yeah, but that's the end of part one, which is great. That's right, uh, <laughs> and it's all downhill from there. Indeed, you found him, Captain Picard, <laughs> and he's got this like, card. He's Captain Picard, Picard, Picard. He says that like, was the great cliffhanger. Yeah. It was. They they really they stretched it out. There's a whole fucking one hour. You're waiting for Nimoy to show up, and he shows up. Yeah. At, uh, um, yeah. So you agree? It's not good. Well, I, did, I was I was a little pissed <laughs> off. I was a little pissed off of all the dancing that we're doing, waiting for him to show up, and then. But I, I loved every minute of it. I, I know I we have for two parts, yeah. so he can come promote Star Trek Six. I've, I've, I've told you the story of like coming when he came in to do um, the Futurama episode. He came in, and uh, we had arranged it so he and Shatner could record together. That was something else we got from the Shatner phone call. So mm-hmm. Nimoy comes in and he says. Let's get this done so I can get out of here before Shatner gets here, which oh I goodness. thought was hilarious, and <laughs> um, which we didn't do. And then we take a break, and I go to the bathroom, and I'm at the urinal, and he steps in next to me, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's peeing as Spock, like he's he's, he's in character. He's in it was character. very logical. 
I was like trying so hard not to laugh. Like this is this is so great. I'm peeing next to Leonard and Moore. You've had an experience very <laughs> few people can say they've had. Wow. <laughs> more I than mean, you think. More than you think, probably. They peed next to Zachary Quinto, but very few have peed next to Leonard and <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, so okay. So so you talked about this season's gonna be great. Lot to talk about. We'll have to um, have right. you starting June second to unpack it at the end of the season when yes. when all is revealed. Right. Um, what's a little nugget? What's a nugget you want to share? A nugget. Do yeah. I have a nugget to share? Yeah. Um, Something that was really fun that happened that's hap- going to happen in the show or just uh-huh. an experience on set because obviously with COVID you you were really limited in terms of your cast interactions. Yeah, I actually I wasn't once we came back I wasn't on set. Uh, we we had a limit who was going to be there, so it wasn't necessary for me to be on set. Um, I um, I don't know that I have uh, a nugget. Um, just um, I got I a backup think, question. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have a nugget for you because I I but I what I would say is. There's some there's some nice surprises. Okay. Well, I got I got a backup question because I don't want to go off on like boilerplate hyperbole there with you. Okay. I love it. Watch it on Hulu. This this right. this, this, this So I'm going to ask you this. Um, one of the only people involved in in in, in Star Trek uh, that I never interviewed back in the day when I did that kind of thing, and I actually don't think I ever met. I may have met him once. Was Joe Minoski. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, as people know, he's right. responsible for some of the most insane episodes of <laughs> next generation ever written. Yeah. Um, many of them Mask. great and some are called masks. <laughs> and so I have to ask you, is Joe as crazy and insane in person as his Star Trek episodes? And what was it like working with Joe Minoski? Joe is the sweetest man you've ever met. I mean, in a business where people are that, that you can be, you know, just being an asshole makes you successful. I, I, I found Joe to be like this warm blanket of sweet. Uh, He, he was, he had, uh, you know, fun ideas all the way through. You, he was such a pro uh, in that writer's room. Uh, But, but I think that that was really what I was sort of taken with was, what a sweet man. Mm. Um, so I think that that, that, that was like, um, that was what was so interesting. I mean, I, I, what was interesting too, is that I think he, li- he, he was living back and forth in Korea, which is oh. also just sort of this unique thing. Uh, um, I think, uh, I think his wife's Korean. I, I am not sure now as I think about it. Um, but, um, you know, that, that's, that, that was also an interesting thing. He had a, it was a free spiritness to him of, mm. of not fitting some kind of um, template of who you think a writer, you know, is. And he was, he was very free spirited, free, uh, free thinking guy, but su- so sweet and nice. I, I was, I was thrilled to get to work with him. He was in- an interesting cat because back in the day when I was doing that stuff for Cine Fantastic and yeah. dating myself, he never would give interviews, not because he just, he was like the only person like who j- he just didn't like to talk about his work. He didn't like to talk about himself yeah. and he wouldn't, he wouldn't give interviews. And it was like, it, it was like, so, I mean, I've talked to like literally everyone. And even in the fifth year mission, you see, it's like everyone's in there, but Minoski. Yeah. Yeah. And- no, he's, he's, um he is uh, a very modest person, uh, which again is so not Hollywood, you know? Yeah, this, totally. This town is filled with people myself included, who love talking about themselves. And so I think that, that that that's not Joe at all. A very yeah. modest, a truly modest person. Yeah. And an artist. I think that's the other thing, too, is that's probably how I would describe him, in that he has the temperament and affect of a true artist. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, David, it's always good to have you on the show. And we have a, a special uh, plan. We're going to bring you back uh, on the Trexperts briefing room, an entirely different podcast where we're going to do uh, for the first time commentary on where no fan has gone before. I would love and to do you're that. You're going to tell us where the bodies are buried and <laughs> the, the color of Leonard Nimoy's right. urine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so wow. um, it's going to be very exciting. So we're looking forward to that. That'll be coming up in a couple of weeks. Oh, I, um, I'd love to do that. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, meanwhile, we wish you much good luck with the premiere on uh, June 2nd. You know, 
really wish they'd let us play music up here. Make these long trips go by a lot faster. You don't know how this crew is going to feel a year or even a month from now. I am sorry to have caused you distress. I'm gonna use my imagination and pretend that didn't just happen. People are scared, Captain. Your crew is scared. Show the galaxy that humans are different, that we value life even when our enemies don't. You will be silent! Evasive maneuvers. They caught us by surprise. Return fire. All sections reporting heavy damage. Captain, the quantum core has been breached. You will surrender or you will die. Welcome to the galaxy. Thank we you. hope it's a big hit that Hulu wants to bring it back for a fourth season. Although I hope it doesn't interfere with Seth MacFarlane's Winds of War remake because I cannot <laughs> wait. I love the Winds of War. I've been obsessed with Winds of War ever since I saw it as a kid on yeah. ABC. And I'm so excited. I hope he does it because I, I just think, I think it's he's the trying to move forward with it. Yeah. I, I don't know if he sold it, but I. Who I do you get he... to play Pug Henry? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know that they're there at that uh, I know. That level. Uh, you know, we we actually uh, we were talking on a previous episode about they should do, you know, like the offer is about the making of the Godfather, supposedly. And um, we, we we do a, a movie about the making of Star Trek, the motion picture. We want to cast all the roles. Someone had suggested um, Oliver Platt, which I thought was good for Roddenberry. Oh, that's on the social. And that um, who would you cast as Roddenberry? I mean, Oliver is a great choice. Um, I think, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's so interesting. You know, I wish you'd told me the set of time. I would have prepared. No, that's, that, I, it's no fun if you come. It's prepared. no fun. I can't that's think right. of, uh, I mean, I mean, I, you know, uh, I might cast, uh, I might cast um, Josh Gad or, or somebody funny, somebody who would. Uh, or no, 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 you know where you cast Josh you lost Gad? Me there. The making of the Orville for David Goodman. <laughs> like, I, I want somebody funny who's going to really get to, or Jack Black, somebody who's, who's going to get to, like, like, Roddenberry's a broken individual. I mean, I, I'm sorry, this is probably heresy to talk about, but I, I mean, every everything I learn about that guy makes me just grateful that he created this one thing that is so important in my life. But uh, he, 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 I want somebody to capture that guy who's like kind of, kind of uh, uh, damaged. Well, Brando's dead, unfortunately. So, <laughs> that's right. But, uh, but anyway, okay. Well, then when you come back, you'll have to tell us, you'll have time to think that's about right. it. That's okay. <laughs> right. But this is great. We're, we're really excited. Well, now, you know, I want to have you on the show, think about. not just because you're a friend, but because I'm a big fan of the Orville. I enjoy watching it. With Isaac, my, my son, and um, you know, really watched it uh, evolve and flourish and only get right. better and better. Um, you know, and just have have really have really enjoyed it. So, you know, for for people listening to the podcast because they're Star Trek fans, and if you haven't checked out the Orville, you should definitely check it out on Hulu in early June. Um, I would say there is no comparison, but there is a comparison. <laughs> if you're a fan of Next Gen, you're going to really like the. Orville, I think so. I think so. I appreciate that. I, I I've had a lot of fun. It's obviously been a great experience for me to get to be a part yeah. of it. And uh, cool. But we'll see you well. soon. Thanks um, so much for joining us. We want to thank pleasure, David. Guys. Want to thank the great Mark Rivera for uh, uh, mixing it, uh, the, today's episode, making it sound so good. Even still, still old still, friend, still old over Zoom. Friend. And uh, of course, uh, you can follow us on Inglorious Track, Inglorious Track Experts on Instagram, uh, Inglorious Track on Facebook. It's a way to find out about upcoming events that Darren and I may be appearing at. And uh, of course, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, uh, we also want to remind you to please rate us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. It brings new listeners to the show. So until uh, next week, on behalf of Darren Document and myself, Mark A. Altman, keep on trekking. Ingloriously, of course, and Orvilling as well. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.